so I do like some notifications on my on my watch. There, I said it. Welcome to Fraculous, a technology podcast for humans. Episode 332. iPhone 10 R I R L robot watches and robot cars. Do you want to talk about my iPhone 10R? Yes, let's hear about your iPhone 10R. Last time you were unsure about whether you'd actually get one or manage to get one or not. And you have. Yes. Has it got a button? It has a button on the side, Jeff. Yes. Well. <laughs> but not one at the bottom. Mm. But no, I popped into my local Apple store. I got a reservation quite easily. Um, I looked at the Coral because that was there were two that interested me, the red and the coral. Yeah. I had a reservation on the red, but thought I'll just check the orange one first. And yeah, it's the red's the one. The red's the one for me. That's what I picked up today as well. Did you? Not for me, but but for my wife. And originally she had chosen that funny yellow colour. Oh, think, the banana. <laughs> Banana, yeah, but they're not quite banana. It's a bit of a, a bit like a burnt banana or something, and it's just had that kind of all a Kylie, slightly yellow ochre look to it. And Kerry said, "Oh, it's nice and sunshiny." And then we were comparing different colours of yellow that occurred naturally within our kitchen against the yellow that was on a, on the screen. And very quickly, we decided that that yellow is going to age very quickly. So we went with a product red as well. As I as I talk now, it's in a box on the dining room table and my wife will be doing her very own unboxing of that later on this evening on her youtube channel (laughs) (laughs) so i if the orange had been as red as the red is i definitely would have gone for that but it was just a bit too peachy didn't quite set it off whereas the red is beautiful it is a beautiful beautiful phone so let, let's cut to the chase, Will, because yep. you are one of the few people, I guess, who is not only an iPhone X owner, but also an iPhone XR owner. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm curious because the iPhone XR, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, is, is somewhat larger than it is. an iPhone X. And it's got a different screen technology. It uses LCD rather than OLED. And it's got a single camera. So how do all of these differences mix to create what is in essence a a cheaper phone does it feel cheap it doesn't feel cheap at all it feels really really nice the screen i actually think in some respects is better than the 10 because there's this weird thing with oleds where when you're scrolling some of the colors don't move at the same speed as others and it creates this weird ripple effect I don't know whether you've ever seen that when you're in Tweetbot in dark mode. What about when you're not scrolling? Because when whenever I saw your 10, I would go, terrible, no button, control panel <laughs> top right. But ooh, the screen's nice. That's what I'd always say. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's got, it's got true tone. I think it's a really good screen on the 10R. And it doesn't have that weird ripple effect that you see on OLED. So I'd say this is the best LCD screen you'll see. And... There are a few times where I would say the 10 looks better than the 10R, if I'm honest. The pixel density, the, the, the pixels per inch, is is much less, if I remember, well, than the 10R compared to the, compared to the 10. It's, it's a 2X phone. So it's that thing, it's, it's the same pixel dens- density as the <laughs> iPhone 4. That's, that's perfect for listening to, for t- to your podcast then, Will. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there's been a lot of fuss made about the screen, the fact that it doesn't, it can't show 1080p video in full resolution. But this is, if you can see 1080p, the difference between 1080p and this resolution on a screen this big, I just don't think people can. It's an incredibly good screen and video looks amazing on it. And I think people are picking up on the specs rather than the actual experience of using a device. And if it did have a 1080p screen or a 4K screen, it would use more battery. It wouldn't have to run more pixels. It would need more memory. So I think Apple's actually made the right choice here. But I'm a little bit ranty about it because people Uh, on the internet, experts on the internet who have probably never even seen it, are saying it's ridiculous. (laughs) It doesn't have a 1080p screen and it doesn't need a 1080p screen. It's fine. What does the R stand for? Reduced? Redacted? I don't think it just just stands for R. Yeah, but come on. It's the letter before S. But in terms of size, here's the weird thing. I now think this is the perfect size phone. It's so wow. weird. Is it not the same size as the 10 or the 10X Max? No, it's bigger. It's bigger than the 10. But I'm going caseless on it currently. Ah, cool. Controversial. Which does feel a bit naughty. But it's such a nice phone. And I think with a case, it would be too big. And there's also the fact that for some reason, Apple doesn't make any cases for it. So I bought a bumper, mm. but I have, I've only put it on once and gone, mm. I'm going to try without. I'm on the upgrade program, so I've got Apple Care Plus with it. Uh-huh. So I have that safety net that if I do smash it, it's, it's covered. A couple of other things that are in, this, in the specs, well, I'm interested, just, just with regards to the screen. First of all, just looking at the Apple specs sheet here, comparing the 10s and the 10s Max with the 10R, you talked about the pixel resolution, fine. The contrast ratio is on the OLED displays of the, of the 10s and 10s Max is 1 million to 1, whereas the 10R is quoted as 1,400 to 1. That that's the first thing. I, I'm interested in your in whether you've got any um, uh, ex, any views on how how that may have impacted your viewing experience. And the other thing I'm really interested in is the lack of 3D touch on the 10R. Have you missed it? So the contrast ratio I've not noticed. To be honest, I've not been in a situation gone mm, could do with more contrast. <laughs> there are situations where the 10 screen does look better, but the 10R screen doesn't look bad. This is an incredibly good screen. What they've done with LCD on this is so impressive. And to be honest, I think if they'd got this screen tech working prior to OLED, they probably would have stuck with this. Because again, it doesn't have those other issues that OLED has. So I would say on balance, this has some downsides. OLED has downsides. They're kind of... They have their pluses and their minuses, but neither is the clear winner. Now, 3D Touch, I thought I thought I was going to miss it. I really did. But the only thing I really use it for is control center, the two buttons on the front, the flashlight and camera, and the trackpad keyboard. And a lot of people, some people don't know that you can, on a 3D Touch phone, if you've got the keyboard up, if you press down into it, it will then turn into a trackpad to allow you to move the cursor around your device. Is that the same as putting your, t- your two fingers on an iPad keyboard yeah, and scrolling I think so, around? Yeah. And I use yeah. that all the time on my 3D touch enabled devices. And what they've done cleverly is they've 
map that now to the space bar. So all you have to do is press and hold the space bar and that will then turn the keyboard into a cursor. And I actually think that's better because I have found there have been times where I've pressed in and then I've moved or I've started typing or it hasn't quite pressed and I've ended up back on the keyboard. Whereas by doing it with the space bar, I find actually is a better way of doing it. So now on my 10, because the space bar is enabled on that as well, I actually find I'm using that rather than pressing in now. I know you know what where I'm going to go with this. And I, I found on my 6S the other day, I accidentally did a hold and a 3D touch and found a function that I'd never discovered before. Quite technically, I can't tell you what that function right. is because it was obviously a bit of a bolt on afterthought. <laughs> no, I think that's quite, it's like, oh, okay, so if I press and hold there, that does that, does it? Mm, I'll probably never use that and I haven't used it. And it made me think, gosh, I've had my 6S for two years and I don't really use 3D touch. So for me, the whole, the whole 3D touch thing was just another example of Apple going, we don't really have anything amazing or innovative, so we'll just bolt on this gimmick. Hey, everyone, here's a gimmick, uh, I don't, and nobody so, and nobody really uses but it. But they were trying Hush. something. I mean, this is the thing. They were trying it, and actually they've now, through that feedback, found out they here are the things it's useful for. When I've been using Android phones which don't have that cursor mode, I find it so frustrating, yeah. and it slows me down, because I use that so many times a day just to move the cursor around the screen. I do too. That's a really good example of 3D touch. I I quite agree. Turns out you don't need the full 3D touch experience to enable that. Little secret for you, that's been around on non-3D touch devices for a little while. I think as far back as the iPhone 5S SE, iPhone 6, my iPhone 6 Plus had that, where again, you don't, that those devices don't have 3D touch but you still do have the trackpad capability by using a, a long press down there on the spacebar, like you're saying. I thought that was enabled in iOS 12, but I may be wrong. Mm. Certainly it's around on my on my iPhone 6 Plus. It may have been while I had the iOS 12 beta on there. Mm. I thought it was enabled by iOS 12. My old iPad Air 2 used to do it. That wasn't touch enabled, but you could press and hold to do certain things. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a 3D touchscreen. But overall, it's a really, really nice phone. And now I I picked up Beck's 6S to do something on it and thought, oh my God, this is so small now. The way I feel when I used to pick up a five level phone and this has become the new normal for me. But Will, have, have you not seen Casey the last two weeks and he's gone, he's gone for like a small cheap phone and he's basically going down the whole mm. smaller is better route and phones, <laughs> phones are now too big. I, I am in the smaller is better, but this thing is so nice and it is a really nice size. David, didn't you get one as well? I thought I, thought I saw you said you popped out and got one. I have, but for my wife. My wife had, oh. like you, an iPhone 6S and it was just on its knees. Even on iOS 12, it was on, it was on its knees? Yes, the, her iPhone 6S. The, uh, I think there were battery issues going on in there as well. It was very slow. It was freezing for you know a minute or so it seemed every time she was opening the calendar we'd you know started from scratch on the operating system again and it was still doing it and she just said david get me a new phone (laughs) so we we traded in a whole load of apple gear why should a device that's worked for two years suddenly then stop working back for two years because then you're back to the conspiracy that apple you know make your device go wrong on purpose i think if you don't upgrade it it will be fine but if you want to if you want to have advancements then you have to face the fact that they're going to use more more power from your device another reason for not upgrading your iOS <laughs> 
and also the fact that batteries naturally degrade, you know, whether it's a, a thousand charge cycles on, on one of these lithium-ion batteries, but they do tend to degrade over time. And I know you can get the batteries replaced um, and so on, but, you know, the camera technology is an awful lot better in her new phone. And that's what I want to ask you about, you know, uh, obviously image quality is a big deal for you and your eyes are finely attuned to it. So what difference does the new camera make and things like portrait mode with a single camera where it's all computational rather than just a bit of it. What have you noticed? So as I suspected, portrait mode only works on human faces. Mm -hmm. So you can't be pulling focus on anything that doesn't have a face, which is fine, I guess. I mean, I prefer on the 10 being able to have more control over it and be able to use that portrait mode on other things. I do like the fact that it uses the wide camera, though, portrait mode i found yeah. there are times where i'm sat across a table from somebody and i put it into portrait mode and they're still i'm having to really lean back to get them in a shot whereas with the wide especially with kids you've got a higher yeah. chance of getting them in the right spot and the fact that it's much better at low light on that wide camera so it's again it's there are benefits in to both there's no clear winner whether the two camera system or the one camera system is the better so that's why I would recommend having two phones. <laughs> I was I was in an abandoned tube station as I often spend most of my time l last week, and I had my iPad with me because I have my iPad with me to have to show photos as part of a tour. And during a quiet moment, I I never take photos on my iPad. I took a picture of this empty abandoned corridor in low light on my iPad, and I looked at it and I was like, "Wow, that looks really crisp and clean and clear." And so I got out my 6s and I put it in exactly the same spot and I took the same photo. And suddenly, you could really see the difference of how you know, bad the, the 6S camera was and really? how amazing the iPad. Yeah, and I've got and I've got them side by side. And if you look at them just on screen at home, you can you can really tell the difference. So part of me now just wants to get a new phone just to have a better camera. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to get a new phone to get a new camera, Jeff. Apple Apple should let you have a new camera every year. Should be modular. <laughs> those modular well, phones. Hey, hey, that's not a... Well, maybe that's the... Maybe that is an, innov an innovative thing that Apple could, could bring out. The... <laughs> The the iPhone M, the iPhone M, where M is modular, <laughs> sliding a new camera. <laughs> why why doesn't someone do that? Why hasn't a manufacturer done that? That's a oh, great they idea. Have, they have Jeff. Google had um, I forget the name of it now. Will but uh, yes, I remember the one five years or so ago. It bombed terribly. They yeah they ditched the project two two and a half years ago. There were another wow. couple, obviously the likes of Motorola mm. and oh, who's who's got one now? LG I think tried it as well. And there's another one right now, and I've completely forgotten who it is off the top of my head, but a number of manufacturers have experimented with modular systems for phones. I can imagine that away from hardcore nerds, that must be really hard to market and sell to your average consumer who just don't care. They're not going to get it. And also the compromises that, that come by by making a phone that is modular. You know, the, the, these things, and if you've ever taken a phone apart, but they're so tightly crammed into those bodies with really precise engineering that making it so you can just snap things in and out, the whole phone can, depending on how you look at it, suffer as a result of that modularity. What a terrible idea. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, going back to video quality, the other thing I bought when I got my 10R was... I can't actually remember the name of it, but it's a professional ND set for iPhone camera or phone cameras. And ND, that's neutral density. Why might you want to use a neutral density set of filters, Will? So the problem with generally with cameras is 
you are limited in terms of what you can, how you can stop too much light coming into the camera. So you can change the shutter speed or you can change the ISO or you can actually put filters in front of the lens. And those are the three things you can do. Like sunglasses, but yeah. a camera. And the problem is with something like an iPhone, you don't really have control over the shutter. And what it tends to do is put a very high shutter speed on, which gives it a very kind of TV look. So you lose this motion blur, which gives you a nice cinematic effect. And that's one of the things that makes iPhone footage or cell phone footage stand out as not being from a professional camera. So if you put an ND filter on your camera, you can then basically allow the shutter speed to not be as high in a bright setting. And it's probably worth saying that when you're using the stock camera app that comes with an iPhone or an iOS device, if you're shooting on your iPad like Jeff does, then you don't really have any visibility of that. That sort of stuff only gets exposed, you know, the the shutter rate and the ISO that the camera is enforcing when you're using professional grade apps like Mavis or like Filmic Pro. Yes. Yeah, that gives you full control over that kind of stuff. But just putting an ND on in a bright situation will lower that shutter speed because that's one of the things it's trying to use to lower the amount of light coming into the camera. And what I found was I was filming in a very bright room. So it was very bright outside, but it wasn't so bright inside. So what I did was put an ND on the camera so that the shutter speed would go down. But because the low light performance of the camera was good, it meant that I didn't lose quality filming inside the room, which was low light versus the bright light outside. So that was a benefit. But one thing that is slightly annoying and this moves on to the Apple event where they announce the new iPads which have Face ID and have horizontal Face mm, ID. I know where you're going. It's annoying that the 10R does not have horizontal Face ID because <laughs> in a gimbal that would really help. But I have found because it's it uses the... You had a Plus phone, didn't you, David? I did. I had a 6 Plus, which I'm now trading in. Which does certain things in horizontal mode. So like mail or settings has a horizontal mode rather than just a pure vertical mode. The 10R has certain levels of horizontal modes, which is useful if you've got it locked in a gimbal. So for changing settings, that kind of thing. Unfortunately, the home screen doesn't flip to horizontal like the Plus phones did. And again, as I mentioned, no face ID in horizontal. So hopefully that will come as an update, but who knows? Interesting, interesting. So do you find yourself preferring to have one or the other hand set in your hand? It sounds to me from what you're saying earlier on that from where I was this time last year of the 10 being the perfect size, that the 10R for you is feeling much more like being the perfect size instead. I'm spending more time on the 10R, but that could just be because it's new. But it has, because my 6S got so kind of slow... I was tending not to use it. But why see this I, why did you why does an old phone get slow? If everyone's saying that I, I if I if iOS twelve if iOS twelve makes your phone speedy, then why is it getting slow? And if the battery is compromised, then whack in a new battery. Why should performance be diminished over time? Just as phones get older, the processes are slower. That's just just how it is. No, but it's the same hardware, it's the same phone running at the same speed. The OS is doing more. But the initial feedback I heard from from 12 is that people were saying, oh, it's brought my old phone back to life. Well, maybe it had, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't using it enough. I'd been using my 10 more. I was favouring my 10 because that was snappy and responsive. And it may have on 12 picked up. But again, the battery issues, it just wasn't keeping up. 
So I was favoring my 10, whereas now I'm, I've gone back to doing things on my 10R that I would have done on my 10. Interesting. So it's hard to say at the moment, which I favor, but I do really like the 10R. This episode of Fraculous is brought to you by Casper, the company devoted to human sleep. Humans, you are weak. Your frail bodies need to lay down every day for many hours until you are able to function again. To help you address your mortal shortcomings, Casper has engineered the perfect mattress that combines high-density memory and premium latex foams to create a sleep surface that contours to your body and keeps you cool and balanced through the night. Casper removes unnecessary humans in the value exchange process and sells direct, so you get a premium mattress at a fraction of the price. Because you are unable to accurately assess risk, Casper will let you sleep on the mattress for 100 nights and if you are not satisfied you can return it, and they will even send a fellow human to retrieve it from you for free. Prices start at $500 for a twin and $950 for a king-sized mattress. To get $50 towards any mattress purchase, go to fraculous.com Casper and enter the code 50sleep so that they know that we sent you and to show your support for the show. Terms and conditions apply. You mentioned the Apple event from yes. a couple of weeks ago now. Um, and while they weren't annou- announcing any new iPhones there, there was a new MacBook Air and Mac Mini and some new iPads. Uh, Jeff, I, I saw online that you had had a play with the new ipads how did you find them anytime i see an apple store i still am drawn in because i just like to make sure that the lack of button and the control center from the bottom is still as awful as it is and every week i it is and then from a distance i saw the new ipad and i was like oh that looks good and you go over to it and you think oh it looks really good and then you pick one up and you're like, oh, it feels really nice. And oh, I like the bezel, the bevel. And, oh, and then you turn it on and you're like, oh, yeah, there's no button. <laughs> and I have to swipe up from the bottom. So right until I actually started to use it, I was thinking it looks really good. But it is, it feels extremely fast. It feels extremely, you know, cutting edge, shiny, new. And that, But then, and you know what I'm about to say, because I tweeted about it angrily. Or did I just put it on our Slack? I used the unit with the keyboard on. Because uh, for ages I'm I'm like I'm like oh do I get one of the keyboards? Because um, I recently got an iPad Pro with the pencil. Ironically, just before they brought this new one out, but it looks like I might have bought that at just the right time because it's got a button and a 3.5 mil headphone jack. So, but what really got me with the new iPad is that well, one I just instinctively found my thumbs on the side pressing a button that wasn't there, <laughs> and I'm like, no, where's the button? Again, I don't think that's Apple's fault per se. Well, it is because they took away the button. So then I was like, okay, then I'll swipe up. But they made the screen bigger. <laughs> so then I moved my hand down to swipe up. And every time I move my hand down to then swipe up, it will go, oh, I've like hit the keyboard. Oh, I've hit the keyboard. And my hand. Is there not a shortcut on the keyboard you can do to bring up home? Wait, not ch- what? Are you mean it? What? Turn it into a button? <laughs> but I'm just wondering if the keyboard is blocking that, whether there is a keyboard shortcut. To do. So I don't know. I don't it- use iPads enough to know that. But I'm just wondering whether naturally, if you had it docked in a keyboard, you would use a keyboard shortcut to do that. And obviously, and what I didn't say in my tweet slash Slack, is that I can see where they're going. And obviously, they're just, they are, and now they're touting it as being faster than all sorts of other devices and computers. And you know, they're just turning it into a laptop by stealth. I have a different problem with it, Jeff. <laughs> they're slowly turning it into a MacBook. 
<laughs> because a MacBook doesn't doesn't have a button doesn't have one button on the side or the, like or like the screen part doesn't. No, you just have a keyboard and then everything else is just touch. Or what happened next? I was using Vicky's MacBook Pro the other day and I started touching the screen like an iPad and she's like, no, 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 it's like no touch screen. <laughs> so that. That's where it, and I was like, yeah, but even my crappy Windows laptop has got like, I can pinch and zoom. I can, it's got touchscreen, but her, but her MacBook doesn't. So that's where, the, that's where they're headed, you know, is to make the two the, the same. And so and suddenly it dawned on me that's where it was going. And they're doing that with the applications as well, aren't they? You know, in the, in the latest um, WWDC and with the latest version of MacOS Mojave, there are indeed uh, only a couple really of, uh, of iOS apps that are running. On your on your Mac desktop, uh, I think it's news, and the other one is uh, um, home stocks. Don't forget stocks. Oh, 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 sorry, I forgot stocks. I'm sorry. So, could iOS ever replace macOS, or could macOS ever run on an on an iPad? Well, no, macOS will never run on an iPad. That's not happening. Definitely. Could they bring out a hybrid OS which runs on both? Ooh, I think we are on the move <laughs> towards iOS being the dominant. OS, definitely. But my problem is primarily that I can't run Premiere on an iPad as it is. So if you look at the performance of the iPads, they actually outstrip like the new MacBooks that they've released. So they Yeah, but you wouldn't want to anyway until you had full control on that that being a mouse. But now it's USB C. Can you get a USB dongle which allows you to plug a mouse into an iPad? Not yet. Is that what's coming? A mouse on an iPad? Possibly. But the thing that annoys me is that They've launched the new MacBook Air, but it's only a 13-inch model. So anything, any innovation on anything smaller than that isn't happening. So I'm still using a 11-inch MacBook Air, and I can edit on that. That was used to be powerful enough to run Premiere, but they're no longer producing small, powerful laptops. Because they're producing small, powerful iPads yes. instead. Yeah, which is fine right. if Premiere ran on them. Have you ever thought of using a Windows laptop, Will? But Premiere Rush just isn't isn't there yet and I, I had some more playing around with Premiere Rush and it's so limited in what it can do even some basic keyboard commands don't work so I found I was just making a very small gift to put on Twitter and I started doing that in Rush to see how easy it was going to be and I ended up jumping into Premiere proper to do it because it was just getting ridiculous how long it was taking me to make a small loop work but I mean some of it's not knowing the new software but even still you'd think that it should be Fairly easy to pick up and use, but for anyone that knows Premiere, Rush is hard. What about what about a hybrid device in the same way that you used to have say parallels or still do you could boot into Windows or Mac? You have a hybrid tablet which you can either boot as a fully functioning Mac OS or you boot into iPad mode. How about that? How about that for an idea? I mean the the Windows thing was a little bit of a it was a way of getting people that were scared like me, that were scared of not having Windows, to own a MacBook. So I started, I dual booted and then I found, actually, I was spending more time in macOS, so I had Parallels, so I ran a copy of that. And then it turned out the only thing I was still running was Office in Parallels. And then I was like, I might as well just buy Office Office for the Mac and stop booting Parallels. For anyone that didn't know, Parallels was a way of running Windows within your OS X installations. It still is. And it still is. A, a quick question, Will, on that very point. When I first started working with you, what was it, six years ago or seven years ago, whenever it was, I remember very clearly... <laughs> Uh, you must have been relatively new to the Mac then. It was 2006 I got my first Mac. Oh, okay. You still had, when I was working with you back back in 2011, whenever it was, mm. um, you'd modified your keyboard mapping 
Oh yeah. I'm still I'm still on my Windows keyboard shortcuts, yes. <laughs> so here we are, twelve years after moving across, you're still using a Windows keyboard layout on yes. your Mac. I have control S. I have to use control S to save stuff. Yeah, so you, you do you do the thing where you where you replace command with control, right? Yeah. I, I swap command and control around, which I would say to anyone coming from Windows, the, that's the first thing you should do. Does Mac Sierra Mountain Tiger Line, whatever it is, does it still does it do you have to turn on right click? Or is it now on by default? Oh, I don't know. I've only ever upgraded through the Waze, so same right. thing. Yeah. So I have it. I have it on. Mm. But the other thing they announced <laughs> was the new Mac Mini. Yeah. Um, I'm quite excited I'm, about that. Are you? Why? Because you've got a big, heavy door, and finally it will it will keep it open, right? As a, okay. <laughs> well, I've got my, a first generation Apple TV for that. My 2013. <laughs> macbook pro is getting a bit slow for editing 4k stuff that kind of thing Mm. it wasn't built for that really was it it wasn't built for that but it can just about do it i'm actually doing more and more kind of originally we used to edit on site we're doing less of that we're doing more kind of editing off site and actually it'd be a good stopgap i'm quite happy with the displays i've got here it was quite a good stopgap machine to fill in get me a performance boost and so that's something I'd be interested in, possibly. But again, it depends. And then I think they've been quite good on the specs. They go from very low to very high. And people have been complaining about how much you can pay for one, but at least there is that option there. How about you, David? Yeah. Are you tempted by anything they, they announced? Not really. I mean, speaking of old kit, I've got a 2010 27-inch iMac in front of me, which is eight years old and still goes like an absolute beast. I... I did spec it to the max when I bought it all those years ago. And yes, it's not a retina display, but it's it's absolutely fine. Admittedly, I'm not editing in 4K. You know, I do do 1080p multicam from time to time in here. But generally speaking, for 4K, I, I, I suspect this wouldn't really wouldn't really do it for me. But as to whether there anything at the Apple event would work for me, I don't know. The, the, the MacBook Air isn't necessarily where I'm at. I've still got a MacBook Pro, 13-inch MacBook Pro. I don't think that would be an upgrade for me necessarily. Mac Mini, no, I've got my iMac, that's fine. And an iPad Pro, well, I don't know. I was secretly hoping that Apple might announce um, a iPad Mini equivalent, iPad Mini Air or something. But of course they didn't. I don't think that was really ever on the cards. They have mentioned the iPad Mini, though. Oh, have they? I must have missed that. Go on, tell me more. Like, they've kind of not said we're doing anything with it, but they have said it exists. Mm, okay, okay. I mean, my problem with the iPad is I just don't have enough of a use case for it between a phone and a laptop. Anything, I could do editing on my laptop and I can do stuff on my phone and I would just be duplicating tasks between this spot in the middle, which it just seems there's no need. It's one more thing to carry. It's one more thing to charge. It's one more thing to buy. (laughs) I'm with you there. (laughs) (laughs) I got the first ever iPad back in 2010. I got a Mm. 64 gig cellular iPad and it's on my kitchen table right now and we're going to trade it in. What what IS did it did it go up to, David? Six? Did it make uh, six? No, five point five point one, I believe. Only reason I think that's right is because I restored it from scratch today, so it's nice and clean. It's got the original non-rotatable Google Maps app. Uh, I can't say I checked today, and it's been a long okay. time since I've used it properly. But uh, I mean, I have to say, I 
it was really slick, really swish when I when I powered it back on again and, and restored the OS and just I thought, well I'll just I'll just stick a sim in it and give it one more whirl just for old time's sake before I pass it on. And I'm I'm gonna miss it. And you know, Jeff, you talk about how Apple's changed over the years and and all of that, but this device feels solid and feels industrial in a way that Apple Kit rarely feels these days. So for just for nostalgia's sake, why why aren't why aren't you keeping it then? Just just for nostalgia. Why don't you keep it? Um because I've been keeping it for nostalgia's sake for the last five or six years and it's mostly sat in a cupboard not doing anything. Yeah, so put it put it back in the cupboard and in five years' time you, you can just have the joy of discovering it all over again. Or I could get best part of a hundred quid for it um and do something more useful instead. Going back to that industrial design you said, David, about being sturdy, the only iPhone I've dropped on a pavement was my original iPhone. Mm. And it just dinked. That was it. We've got a small dink by the headphone socket, but nothing nothing smashed, nothing broke. Yeah. And I think now, if you drop any of the current generation of iPhones onto a pavement, one or two of those sides are going to smash. So, Will, clearly, you you, you need to do a, an iPhone Win R, Win R, sorry, iPhone X R drop test. Ten R, ten R. What? Didn't it, oh, it, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> hey, Will, your new phone. Try dropping it. See what happens. Let us know next. Next. I really don't want to. I really don't want to. That's the other good thing about. It. So my ten, my ten is in a case, and I do find if I'm out and about, I will definitely favour the ten. <laughs> I don't really want to take the 10R out of my pocket outside where there isn't a soft, soft landing. I tell you what I did do today when I went to the Apple store to pick up my wife's phone. I did pick up a new case for my 10 and I got uh, the red silicon case and I've got it in my hands now. And I have to say it feels like a brand new phone again. <laughs> Very happy indeed. I have actually got a great tip for anyone, any of uh, for the for the listener who wants a phone case because Apple clearly only to try and force you to buy new phones, only have cases for the latest models. Mm. Well, they just stock ones for the latest models, don't they? Yeah, so what? Or they they don't stock them. So you definitely can't get a case for the 6. I don't think you can get cases anymore. But you can find them on eBay. I bought a 6S case recently on eBay. So today I found I, I found the place. And it make, the minute I say it, it, it makes sense. But I was, in my, I was in a big branch of Tesco, which had like a tech aisle. And of course, it had cases going back to iPhone 6. None for the 10, but loads for the 6 and 7. Uh, maybe not even for the eight. So like Tesco is about two years behind <laughs> and it's got it's got like a, a, a huge variety of colours and sizes of all different cases. And I was like, oh, this is where to come to get cases that are five years old at Tesco. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that uh, that that one worked. Edit that one out, Will. No, I liked it. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. But I'm just wary of time. Hey, talking of time, how do you know what time it is, Will? How do you tell the time? I use a watch, Jeff. Amazing. Seamless. Seamless well. link. This episode of Fraculous is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy-to-use online invoicing software designed to get you paid cash money faster. Face it, humans, you are not good with numbers. If you're not a numbers human, sign up for FreshBooks and let them handle the hard stuff for you. FreshBooks users save two days per month on average, which you could spend doing futile tasks like talking to other humans and eating food in front of each other. In order to pay for these pointless activities you are going to need money, FreshBooks lets you create invoices that look more professional than your substandard motor skills allow. You can even keep track of expenses, so you don't end up with negative money. 
which is bad if your entire world is built on having it to survive. To try FreshBooks for free for 30 days go to fraculous.com slash freshbooks and enter fraculous into the how did you hear about us section, so that they know that we sent you in to show your support for the show. Seamless. So do I, and for the last, what, a month or so, I think I've been spotting the brand new Apple Watch Series 4, woo! So you dove in, got the new one. I dived in, got the new one, both my Apple Watch Series 0, or original, both mine and my wife's is uh, are both also up to be traded in. David, has it got a button, or do you have to swipe up from the bottom? Sorry. You broke one, didn't you, David? Only you didn't break it, you had water damaged. Yeah, I did I did water damage my first one and had to get a refurbish. And that was pre series two. Yeah, and I got the series zero, the original one, back again as part of the refurb. Because I think I did it at just the worst time of year yeah. as well, <laughs> just bef- just before the new ones would have been announced. But anyway, so I've been on the Apple Watch Series 4 cellular for um, just about a month now. And I have to say, it feels like an entirely new... Well, obviously, it's an entirely new watch, but it does feel very much like a new experience. I had a go of my friend's Matt, and he was saying it's good. And even I was thinking, this, this is quite nice. It's yeah. still not enough to make me want to get one, but all the reviews are saying they're really good. And I, I have to agree. So what do you get that you don't get over a Series 0? Okay, so first thing is uh, the screen. The the form factor of the watch is immediately larger. It's a 44 versus a 42-inch watch. But also the screen goes edge-to-edge just like the phones do nowadays. This goes much, much, much larger. And what that enables is a lot more screen estate for different watch faces, uh, which which have been great. Even though the watch is larger, it doesn't feel too much larger it feels about the same but only when you kind of put them on your wrist side by side so you went from 42 to 44 you weren't tempted to go for the 40 no i, I wanted slightly larger and uh I, and I've, I've definitely enjoyed that um it i don't know whether it's a little bit thinner i think it might just be a little bit thinner where it matters uh it just feels a bit more natural um but really the series 0 and i think you're still a, an original apple watch uh, user it's, I am. it it was barely functioning for me anymore i was very patient with it and i was giving it a lot of time to do stuff but it was slow unresponsive just didn't really do the stuff that i wanted it to and slowly and slowly and slowly it was just starting to diminish my um my respect for it this thing now it just it just zips along apps and all and it's an absolute joy to wear um battery life when these things first came out it was a big concern that they wouldn't last through the day i've got two days out of this uh and i i've certainly when i was away on a, on an all i was away overnight and i forgot to bring an apple watch charger with me uh schoolboy era the classic um i now have one in my grab bag of course i do now from when i forgot to bring one and had to buy one at an airport and they aren't cheap. They aren't cheap no. either. These these blooming chargers. Anyway, so um, it's lasted me from morning overnight to through to the following evening. Um, what else? Cellular. Now this is the bit I'm not so sure about. Hang on, your phone has got cellular. Your, sorry, your watch. My watch has got cellular. What? No way. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. What? So this came in a couple of generations ago now. Series what? three, it came in. Series three, yeah. Okay, so so the the, the last generation how, before. How can before they this fit one. that all into a watch? That's it's, amazing. It's magic. It's absolute magic. So it's it's um it's got an eSIM in there. 
And when it first launched in the UK, it was just the one network, EE, over here that, that would support it. Uh, and, and I think that was as much an infrastructure thing as just the single supplier thing that we had with Apple, uh, uh, with the iPhone originally when it was just O2 for the first generation. Uh, I'm with Vodafone, and when the Apple Watch Series 4 was announced, uh, Vodafone was also announced as a partner. So I thought, well, you know what? I may as well give it a go. This thing came out around about my birthday, so I thought, I know what? I'll treat myself. So I did. Um, and I have to say, the onboarding process with Vodafone was a bit of a faff. You have to pay a bit extra, £5 a month. £5 a month with Vodafone, but the first six months or so is is free with it. I think EE does a similar deal, doesn't it? I, I can't remember what the EE deal was. I think it was about the same sort of magnitude, to be honest with you. Okay, can I ask a dumb question then? Sorry. How close is it your watch to being a phone replacement then? Bearing in mind that when I go out, I use my phone for just four things. So one, I'll do messaging. Two, I'll listen to music. Three, I'll browse the web. And four, I'll look at Twitter. Now, if there's a Twitter app on your watch and you can listen and you, and you can connect to Bluetooth, you know, your, your, your cyber pods and you could dictate via Siri text messages... Could I survive on just using a watch and not take my phone when I go out with me? Well, this is the question that I'm asking at the moment, Jeff. I have to say, I'm not sure what value I've actually got from cellular yet, because I do tend to carry my phone about with me when I, whenever I go out. Um, running is the often cited use case for this. Mm. You know, so you don't have to have a phone clunking about in your pocket or strapped to your arm. You can stick your Bluetooth headphones in, sync those, pair those with your watch, and still have pretty much full phone call connectivity, text message connectivity, Siri, as well as with music. But I don't really go running very often. I do a lot of walking and I do a lot of other sports, but I, I haven't really found any situation in the last couple of weeks or so since I've had the cellular enabled where I've been grateful to have right. the cellular enabled because right. the rest of the time it just connects via my phone or via Wi-Fi and it just does what it does anyway. So I'm not entirely sure a month or so in that I'll be renewing the cellular bit of this in six months' time. Do you think you're getting £5 worth of value well, so Vodafone, £5 a month, the first six months are free. So after that first six months or so, I'm going to make a, a bit of a call as to whether it's worthwhile doing or not, because at the moment it's not. I guess you will at least know by then that's a good amount of data, six months worth. I mean, I might just have to start start running. I don't know. <laughs> um, hey, but overall, join me. Yeah, I, join I'll me. join you, Jeff. I, I think we do have a park run or maybe two I'm uh, I'm looking up now. I'm looking up Leicestershire Park runs. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I really am. There is one in Loughborough, I think, mostly. I'm looking mostly them up. Loughborough University students, I'm sure. So all in all, although it was... There's one called Leicester Victoria and there's one in Br- Braunston. There you go. Braunstown. Braunston. Braunston, yes. There we go. Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Jeff. I, I couldn't have done that myself. <laughs> Shut up. So have you put any podcasts on it yet or anything like that? Some of the new features... Yes. And can you play them at two times speed? Uh, no, I haven't. No, I haven't because I do it all through my phone, and I've I've got I've got my phone with me. I mean, what I do do, which I could do and did do to a less degree with my old Apple Watch, is control the shit out of everything I do from my <laughs> Apple Watch. Oh, and, and here's something I have found myself doing, and I know we're kind of kind of creeping into productivity here, but it's something that I found myself doing so much more with this watch than I ever did before. The complications, though, you know, the little apps essentially that you can have on your watch face. The the one that I use more than any other during the course of my day 
is the timer. And I will set timers for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes in my custom timers, just so that I've got a track as to how long things are taking during my day. Because particularly when I'm writing, which is a large part of my job, I can go down rabbit warrens and go down holes. And before I know it, an hour and a half has gone. And I've been you know, just interested in something without actually being productive. Um, or at least not productive in the way I'm supposed to be being productive. So just setting a little timer for five or 20 minutes, kind of Pomodoro styling, uh, on my watch, uh, it, it's a no-brainer to do, and it just keeps me strict. It helps me to realise how much time I'm spending on particular activities. Just give me that little tap on the shoulder or on the wrist so that I can keep myself true to whatever schedule it is that I'm trying to keep. That has been something that I found myself doing as part of my daily ritual, my daily routine now, and I think I'm a lot more productive for it. Could I have done that on my old Apple Watch? Yeah, I guess so. But this one, because of all the reasons that I've just spoken about, is so much a nicer device to use. I just kind of want to use this a little bit more. And the timer is one way and that's manifesting itself, which is certainly benefiting me um, and my life at the moment. I mean, I've found there are there are three things I use my Apple Watch for. And they are? They are setting timers. So I use timers all the time on the watch. Do you just, hey Siri, set a timer? You just no, talk no, to I watch. literally have on the side button... I click it. It's one of the first or second docked items. And then I just hit the screen to to run. So if I'm putting on some washing, I know it's going to take two and a half hours to do both washing machines. And I'll just set that going and then pop down in two and a half hours when it's done. And I'll have a also have a timer set when I have to go and pick up the kids from school. So I'll make sure I never, never forget to get the kids. <laughs> Why don't you just have a daily alarm set on your phone? It's which... very discreet. It just vibrates my wrist. So I don't have to have my phone with me or get out of my pocket to acknowledge that timer. I just find it very useful for those kind of alerts I must not miss. It's very mm. useful for that. I've started using it again to use, to do volume on my podcasts. Yep. And that's yep. one thing I missed because my watch was paired with what was my 6S became my 10R. It wasn't paired with my 10. And I did miss that functionality. So it's good to have that back. And then the biggest thing for me is unlocking my Macs. So when they released the previous iOS, the watch OS update, it included a facility to unlock your mac if your watch is unlocked instead of having to enter the password on your mac it just talks to your watch if your watch is already authenticated it unlocks your machine for you is that a bluetooth thing it's bluetooth and wi-fi and proximity it's various things how does your watch know how close it is to your mac it does something it, it i think it, it times how long it takes for a bluetooth or a wi-fi what? message to get to it <laughs> So you, so it's literally they've worked it out so you can't just be in the same room and someone can unlock your Mac. You have well, to be that's sat what at I'm it. thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they apparently there is so, there is a proximity element to it. Obviously, I don't have that wow. because that's quite clever. That is really good, and I really wish that this could extend to things like One Password on my Mac. Oh yes, because obviously I've got on my phone I've got Face ID, so that's really frictionless access to One Password. But on my Mac, I still have to enter that really long passphrase, and if that could be enabled from my watch, which is what will? Uh, it's it's very long, and I'm not going to give it out right now. Subscribe to the Fraculous Patreon to find out Will's password. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know when I used to talk about wearable tech i used to, you talk about applications that, that there are three things that these wearable that these wearable devices that watches are good for it's uh, applications notification and quantification and of course you know this thing still taps me on the shoulder if i've not been standing up for an hour or so well i, I have actually turned that off okay 
because obviously I'm in recovery from <laughs> pneumonia, so I don't want it tapping me. Oh God, I didn't even ask how you are. Are you are you okay? How are you? Are you? This is one thing that does annoy me about the um, the whole exercise and activity rings. Is there's no way to say. I'm actually not meant to be active at the moment, so can you just chill out? Yeah, interesting. You can't take a holiday. You can't just say, I, I'm not in a state where I can hit my rings for the next few weeks, so let's just put it on pause. You have to look at your <laughs> decimated performance. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to make some kind of like illness through hemorrhoid-related gag because of rings. <laughs> I, I just I need to make that... Ju- it's the opposite of the encouragement. Some It does encourage you to be active and do things, but I think... In situations where you shouldn't be, it can have a negative effect. And I think they need to address that aspect of it slightly. I mean, I'm not bothered about not getting my stand goal. And I might probably leave it off now. I don't know. Can I tell you about my watch then? I was just going to say one more thing about my watch. So yeah, I'm probably not upgrading now. The only thing I would like is better battery life. But I have heard that if you... Because the Series Zero is so old... If you get the battery replaced on it, they might send you a Series 1 or a Series 2. So I might just see what happens if I do that. Oh, yeah. For the amount I use it, I don't think I want to pay any more money for one. But I do like it as it is. The only thing I'd want to improve is the battery life. So I may send it in for a battery replacement and see what happens. But then I also kind of want to keep the original so it can go next to my original iPhone. So, Would you like to buy an original iPad, Will? No, before it goes from the kitchen to the table. Yeah, that, <laughs> make that, me an offer. For some reason, iPads don't go into my museum. But oh, yeah, I have to draw a line loss. somewhere. <laughs> anyway, Jeff, have you got a watch? Hang on, can could I have like a, a a bigger build up? Maybe like a virtual fanfare or something. Okay, du, 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 du. Jeff, have you got a watch? <laughs> I'll do a drum roll. Here we go. You're listening to the Fraculous Podcast. If you're a new listener to Fraculous Podcast, you may think that we exclusively talk about Apple products. Uh, we have done for the first half an hour on this podcast. So I can reveal to you now, listener, uh, that this is where we talk about a non-Apple product. What? A Get non-Apple out of here. product. Do they exist? I'm going to say it loudly. A Get non-Apple pro- podcast. <laughs> so I have a watch that isn't an Apple watch. How do you live? <laughs> so, w- so what have you got, Jeff? Tell about tell about five years ago when I got really into park run. Mm. Uh, if anyone that doesn't know, I'm a huge park run obsessive. Um, um, probably more than I like trains, actually, which is oh, really? a bit weird. So wow. yeah, I, why so, don't you have a park uh, run YouTube channel? I have there are part run videos on my YouTube channel. I'm in the middle of making another one at the moment, but it's it's taking me a year to make because I'm recording a, <laughs> a bit. Year in the week. making, it is no, literally, it's a year in the making. Um, but Vicky got me a a Garmin watch just so that then because it was GPS, so that it actually it tracked it tracked your proper time and kilometers run and that kind of stuff. And back in the summer, it just it, it died. It had a built in, I'm assuming, a non replaceable battery. And it was my birthday. And so I just, we went down the shop and I bought a new watch. And I was like, let's just get the cheapest Garmin watch again. So I got a Garmin 4Runner 35. And predominantly all I wanted it for was for it to, for it to like sit, when you got back to charge it, it just uploads to Garmin. And then that produces a pretty graph and showed you where you've run. You can plot it and see what your split times are. But then it went, hey, you should probably download the app for your phone. And I was like, oh, what's this? So it's a Garmin 4Runner 35. And the thing is, even the most basic Garmin model now, to so much more, 
more than just like tell you how fast you run. And basically, I. I get notifications on my watch and I didn't even ask it to. It went, oh, you could have a watch. Do you, do you want to connect? I'm like, sure. But you enabled and that. I, the man who hates notifications. Thought, well, like, I exactly. What I, need. Well, I need more notifications on my well, wrist. So, but this is it. But because it wasn't Apple, I thought I'd try it. Now, and, and I downloaded the app and the Garmin running app is like monstrously complicated. And I, after about five minutes of searching, I drilled down and I found the section where uh, annoyingly notifications is either phone calls yes or no and all other notifications yes or no that's the only thing you, you can and, and then there's another option for uh get notifications all the time or not when you're running so when you're running and it knows you're running then it doesn't give you any notifications at all so i have that turned on so i don't get notified when i'm running but i do get notified of everything else and then basically i just chop down on notifications as you know on my phone so i do get text messages i do get iMessages on my watch and i have to say i have to say i quite like it when you're out when you <laughs> when you're out and about and your phone's in your pocket or your bag and you watch yeah. this goes bzz, and you glance you're like oh, okay because <laughs> you don't have to take your phone out your pocket anymore yes. so yeah, you can decide whether you need to respond yeah, to that message yeah or and not. i'm like and i'm like and i was like oh no damn it i quite like it <laughs> what's weird is that it can't handle any emojis or any kind of strange graphics it only handles oh, yeah. text so does it put like a square a, a block in or something yeah you get, or a question you get all mark? of that like what happens how do emojis show on the watch oh nothing there's the, yeah there's just an unintelligible right. blob of squares and stuff and i'm not just like emoji time or weirdly youtube notifications don't really work because i have youtube the only other notifications i have turned on on my phone are for certain youtube channels that i subscribe to that's how much i love youtube hit the bell don't forget to like and subscribe. Smash the bell. <laughs> and when a YouTube notification comes through on my watch, uh, you can't really decipher it. It looks undecipherable, but it just makes me think, oh, there's a new YouTube video to watch. But then, then you can answer your phone from your watch. So this is why I often always do. I quite often have my watch on at home and my phone, I've just like discarded somewhere in the house, right? I literally come in and I could be in the kitchen, could be in the lounge. Could be in the bathroom where I've been checking Twitter on the on 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 the toilet. <laughs> Bit of loose surfing there. Well done. We all loose surf. So now what happens? My phone rings and my watch buzzes. And now instead of having to panic and go, "Where's my phone?" I just answer it on my watch, and then I've got a few more added seconds of the person going, "Hello, hello, <laughs> hello," as I then try and find my phone in the house. So you can't take calls on it. No, but you can accept calls on it, that which I really like. <laughs> It's like, sure, I'll just answer the call on my watch. But you can't talk into the watch. No. No. No, because it's you can, you can pick up, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I like it. So I do like some notifications on my on my watch. Mm. There, I said it. The thing is, Jeff, is that, you know, I hear, I know you and I have our run-ins, and sometimes you do sound like, um, you know, someone who does want to be locked up in a cave. Where your head's at, I... I feel as though I can understand where your head's at, but uh, how you've just described to me your experience of having a wearable and, and getting some notifications, what that highlights for me is the difference between kind of thinking that something's going to be a bit shit and then actually experiencing it and going, oh, actually, that is kind of useful, that I can get the benefits of it. When you rationalise it and intellectualise it, you think, no, 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 I, I, I must not like this. But then only when you experience it do you kind of get it. It's like Facebook. It's like social media as a whole. Ten years ago, the whole idea of Facebook was just foreign to me. 
what is is it's because I see an Apple Watch and I see it and it's big and it's colourful. My Garmin Forerunner is only black. It's, it's only monochrome, by the way. You see a big colourful Apple Watch and you see it just like 10,000 things. And so you're overwhelmed with thinking, oh, I have to do this and download apps for it and sync it and blah, 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 blah. And when you just have a very simple watch that, and I just and I just use it for a clock running and then some notifications, I'm like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what I use mine for, Jeff. And now, now you've mentioned notifications, I've realised that actually... That is one of the key things I use my watch for, but it's become so natural I forgot that that's where a lot of my notifications go is via my wrist. Oh, sorry, I just thought of something else, but I I, I was warmed up to it because Vicky also has a Fitbit, and when she remembers to charge it, which is n- n- rarely, uh, <laughs> uh, she'll sometimes be in bed and her Fitbit will buzz, and I'll be like, "What's that?" She's like, "I message." I'm like, "Oh," and I remember thinking. Yeah, that's. I kind of want iMessage on my wrist, <laughs> but not. I didn't want to be deluged with notifications. So what I do is, you know, I turn off everything on my phone, and then you only get that I don't want, and then and then it's I'm in control. It's fine. Speaking of notifications, oh, I have I have screen time data now. By the way, well, I was just going to go exactly down that line because I've just opened and up screen back time to Apple. Non Apple segment is over. Is over. <laughs> back to Apple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so screen time. For me, nil point. I appear to have lost all of my screen time data. Oh, really? so I open it up right now, there is nothing there. We still can't compare screen time. <laughs> but boys, boys, I... I'll be right back. I'm going to grab my iPad so I can look at my screen time data. Hang on. Will, what's your screen time? So across all my devices over the last seven days, which is all I'm allowed to see, I use my device for six hours, 41 minutes a day. Six hours and 41 minutes a day. Does sat-nav count in any of that? Uh, it does. I've done five hours of sat-nav over mm. the past week. Yeah, you see, I think that's a bit edgy. You know, I I don't know that mm. that should be included. You know, that for me, that's like listening to podcasts, you know, yeah. where you're busy doing another activity, perhaps. Well, it says, it says overcast one hour, 12 minutes on screen. But if I go into the battery stats... So battery stats, it says overcast I have used over the last 10 days, 25 hours. That's more like it, isn't it? I'm looking at my screen time uh, thing right now. What would you like to know? Go. What's your usage time? Last seven days, 31 minutes a day I've been using my iPad. Uh, Okay. Over four four and a half hours is on entertainment. Uh, three hours one minute on tv because basically i use my ipad as a mobile tv mm. and just over an hour on tweetbot and then uh, an hour on youtube which is correct so oh it's just gone up to 32 minutes a day because obviously i'm on my ipad now <laughs> so, well, who knows, maybe next time we'll be able to yeah. get some proper comparative stats on this when all three of our devices are working in tandem do you want to know what my instagram notifications have been this week <laughs> oh yeah t- do tell 3,321. What? And and that is because you've, uh, well, with the How to Mobile photo and also with your own channel. Yeah, and my own channel. Some really impressive stats going on there. So I've been promoting... Oh, I almost dropped my phone. (laughs) Haven't got a case on it. The 10 or the R? It's fine. 10 or the R? The 10R. The 10R. What? So I've been promoting some posts on the How to Mobile Photo Instagram. And they were getting some good likes. We were doing quite well. And then I had a call with Facebook. And they showed me how to basically create 
an audience that is similar to the people that have already interacted with your account. And then once I put that on, it just went crazy. We were getting kind of a thousand likes a day on a photo. What? So you built a custom advert geared towards certain people? Yeah. And it's incredibly creepy, but it works incredibly well. Is this <laughs> just based so, upon demographic? or Yeah, how, so they're, looking at, they're going, these people liked your photos before. And then they look for people like that that haven't seen your photos. And they then put them in front of those people. And it turns out they also like the photos. Yeah, what do you know? So are you able to identify that audience by yourself? Or was this only because you had a call with Facebook and they were able to give you those stats on your existing posts? No, no, they showed me how to do it. it it's something anybody can do and it's incredible well it's not incredibly simple because you have to go into facebook ads manager which is horrific and probably one of the least intuitive things to use in the world ever but if you have someone on the phone to walk you it's like trying to land a plane if they walk you through it you can successfully achieve this one thing so even though it's instagram you still have to go into facebook ads manager in order to build up that profile i originally started trying to promote them on the facebook platform and i was just like i gave up i couldn't work it out whereas instagram you can just go promote this audience this much money go and how much money are we talking about here i mean are we talking about tens and hundreds of pounds to get a post promoted or something less we're talking like a pound a day for i think we were doing them over six days so that's all right because i then couldn't resist it i promoted a post on my own instagram i started it running yesterday and so far today i have had 1335 likes on that image and it's cost me i think it's cost me 63 pence so far and this post is there any indication does it show up as a promoted post like one on facebook might it will appear in other people's stream basically as a promoted post okay so it's obvious that this is a promoted post there's no you know kind of smoke and mirrors here no no it's clearly promoted but yeah it's just interesting that for a very little amount of money you can get a lot Mm. of likes on your photos if that's the sort of thing you want. Which apparently I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, that would appear to be so, Will. Yes. End of Fraculous. If your puny human minds can handle more, then follow on Twitter. At sign F-R-A-C-K-U-L-O-U-S. Or individually. At sign David McClelland. D-A-V-I-D-M-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D At sign Jeff Tech G-E-O-F-F-T-E-C-H At sign Will Head W-I-L-L-H-E-A-D Email your brains to Hello At sign Fraculous.com I wanna see the sunshine after the rain. I wanna see blue birds flying over the mountains again. Earlier on, Jeff, you were talking about how your emoji don't come through on Mm. your uh, on your on your Garmin watch. Uh, I've also found the same to be true in a slightly different way on Apple CarPlay. I mentioned that I've been having a play with Apple CarPlay recently, and uh, when Siri tries to dictate messages to me um it describes the emoji instead <laughs> in full text including skin color is this just the latest version because with up with 12.1 they brought in like 18 new emojis or is it is it ones is it ones prior to that i noticed this first about a month or so ago um 
and yeah, I I just remember yellow skin thumbs up um, emoji and things like that, which uh, tickled me muchly uh, <laughs> until I started getting messages with lots and lots of emoji, and each one took about two minutes to read. But why why hasn't CarPlay updated itself so that it can cope with the latest and greatest? Still on Apple, by the way. Well, David, talking about CarPlay, do you have a new CarPlay experience you can tell us about? Uh, I have a new car experience that I can tell you about, and it arrived at 7am on Friday morning after about three or four months um, waiting for it to be built. I have an electric car, guys. I what? feel very much a member of the 21st century. What? Hang on. Is it made by Apple? Uh, <laughs> is it the Apple no, car? It is not we have another non-Apple moment on the podcast. No. Another non-Apple <laughs> moment on the podcast. Go, David, with your non-Apple tech. Thank you very much indeed. Um, so yes, I have a BMW i3. Uh, I'm probably the least BMW driver I know that owns a BMW. Does it come with indicators or is that optional? <laughs> I, and also, I want to say, how how the heck can you afford that? But we already know that you're selling your old iPad for £100, so that's how. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've been interested in living the electric revolution for a little while. I've been waiting for, um, for, for the right car to come along and for the right time for me to get one. And and the time is now so i'm not fully up on electric cars i know there are teslas (laughs) i know there are are priuses which have a degree of electricness yes a hybrid yes indeed um Um, and where does the bmw i3 fall that's a full-on electric yes okay so as you point out there are different types of electrification there are Mm. vehicles which are hybrid plug-in hybrids where there's a degree of traditional internal combustion engine that's being assisted one way or another there's a plug-in hybrid there's a mild hybrid an mhev a mild, uh, mild hybrid, hybrid. <laughs> um, a, a mild hybrid where the uh, electric provides a mild amount of help and so on uh, and then there are what's called bevs which are battery electric vehicles and they can they uh, they are up against the ices the internal combustion engine so there's lots of uh, acronyms flying around in this in this language now but uh, I have a Bev with a Rex so I know I know it's great isn't it have you seen a doctor so (laughs) I I probably should do Um, uh, so uh, a Bev fully battery electric vehicle the motor the drivetrain the thing that moves the car is fully electric and Mm -hmm. that's where you are reliant on a battery a big lithium-ion battery lots of cells of those stuck somewhere hopefully quite safely in the car in the bmw i3 that i've got i've got um, uh, 94 uh, amp hour battery uh, capability in there, which in theory gives me a range of about 120 miles or so, depending upon whether I have such luxuries as headlights, indicators, radio, heating, windscreen wipers on in the car. So it, it varies. And of course, because it's electric, you've got the opportunity to uh, claim some of that back um, when you, you know, when you use your brake. Um, okay. You drive an electric car slightly differently in that you try not to use your brake. You take your foot, or at least with this one, you take your foot off the accelerator. Regenerative braking kicks in and will charge the battery, the same as many hybrid vehicles do as well. What's okay. different about this BMW, and I think it's about the only vehicle in the UK or the only car in the UK that did this until recently, is that it's also got a petrol engine in there as well. It's got okay. um, essentially to all intents and purposes, a lawnmower engine that's got quite a small tank of fuel that goes with it. And when that runs, 
all it does is recharge the battery. So it's called a range extender because all it's okay. really doing is giving you an extra 60, 70, 80 miles maybe uh, worth of range in case you are stuck between charging locations. And can and you that run that is... while you're driving or do you have to stop? Uh, no, it's it's seamless. It, okay. it all happens. It all happens in the background. And when you're running low on battery, then uh, the car will kick in the, the the petrol engine just to keep the battery up to a healthy up to a healthy level. So it doesn't drive the wheels. It just recharges no. the battery. All it does is to recharge the battery. And we're seeing this technology being used not only in uh, in cars, but also in things like transit vans driving around London and so on, so that they can operate in fully electric mode when they're in congestion zone and, and uh, low right. emission zones or around schools. You know, there's geofencing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then when they are doing the longer haul uh, journeys, then the petrol engine can kick in and just charge that battery. It's seen as being a, a pretty economical way of doing it. But, 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 but... Mm. BMW's now stopped making this model. I had right. one of the last models off the production line. What are they making instead now then? All battery. They've ditched the range extender in Europe right. and they've just announced a 2019 model of the car that I've just received. Uh, um, that's got a larger battery that takes you, I think it's 160 miles. And what okay. they say, or what, what the PR team says, and uh, Will, actually, I think you may have helped me out with this. Um, uh, I think uh, we engage Rory Reed. Good old Rory Reed. On Twitter. And he, hi, Rory, if you're listening. Um, uh, he got in touch with one of the BMW PRs uh, who confirmed pretty much on the day that this all happened that because the battery range has now been extended, they're saying, yeah, you don't really need this range extender thing, you know, not, not in the UK. So how much extra range does the petrol bit get you? In theory, um, I, I think it's 60, 70, 80 miles or thereabouts. Okay. So certainly certainly enough. And overall from this car, I think I can get uh, about 180 or so miles where I fully charged and fully petrolled up. Mm. And, and another reason why I this gives me a, a nice uh, comfy feeling and I'm not going to be suffering from the range anxiety that I might have otherwise is that I'm learning about how long it takes to recharge an electric right. car and the different types of mm-hmm. charging available and oh boy oh boy is that a can of worms. What's the furthest you've taken it David sort of not knowing when you're going to get your next top up how, how much of a daredevil have, have you been? I got this on Friday morning at 7am and I didn't drive it until yesterday at about uh, half past nine so I've been I've done a couple of trips. and David, is that because you had to have it charging? You had to charge it up over that no. time? <laughs> Thankfully not. It did arrive fully charged. So it's like an iPhone. It arrives with some charge in it. Yeah, David, is it possible to like buy like a car case that wraps around your car to give you an additional charge? <laughs> Sadly not. Sadly not. Like Mophie should make a roof rack. You know, which with an hour, with an hour's extra. Yeah, you you say that, but the extra weight that would give to your car would probably remove any of the benefit whatsoever. Right. The same right. as I know, Will, you do with your phone and with your laptop. Whenever you've got a chance to charge it, you do. So, yeah. um, in the city centre in Leicester, where I travelled to earlier today, for example, to go and pick up my wife's uh, 10R. I parked it in the local car park. There's a John Lewis there with a multi-storey car park and free electric charging. So I just parked the car, 
plug it in. It's very John Lewis, isn't it? Free electric charging. So you have yet to experience range anxiety, which is oh, what the phrase is. It, that is it, the phrase. It is, that is the actual phrase. phrase. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just go shopping for a couple of hours, charge up my car. And from I did the same thing yesterday morning, actually, as well. And in about the two or three hours that I was in town doing a few errands and doing some stuff with the kids, uh, by the time I came back, I have essentially given myself a day and a half's worth of trips of, um, well, trips worth of uh, charge for free. I must have given it an extra 20, 30 miles or something like that, completely free of charge. So I, that, that kind of felt good, although I was paying for the parking. Was there much demand for these spaces? Aha. So remember I mentioned earlier on that uh, there are some terms for cars like BEVs and ICEs and mm. so on. Um, when there is a horrible or gas-guzzling car parked in one of the parking bays for an electric vehicle. You're legally allowed to block it in. Well, <laughs> block it in. It's, uh, there is a term for that, and it's called being iced. I guess the thing is that there aren't very many parking bays uh, with charging points comparatively to, to normal parking bays. So it is one of the most frustrating things in the world. If you can't charge up your car because a petrol gas-guzzler car is, is uh, parked in that bay, it wasn't really that because obviously there are always people that are going to park in them when they shouldn't. It's yeah. more, I remember when they introduced online check-in with airlines and mm -hmm. if you used the internet a lot, you did that and you didn't have to queue because everyone yeah. else was still queuing and they weren't aware of it. And now everywhere has online check-in and you still have to queue. So are you kind of living in a time where there are more electric charging spots in car parks than there are electric cars? And are you having this golden age? And once everyone else has electric cars, it's going to be a nightmare and there's going to be no spots. Or do you think it's going to keep up? A couple of stats for you. It is... <laughs> Around 80% of charging at the moment, as I understand it, takes place at home. Right. So that, that, that's where most people do their charging on their vehicles. Um, from my experience, uh, not being in London, and you know, I can count on one hand the number of electric vehicles that I've seen here in Leicestershire where I live. Well, how do you know? How can you tell if it's an electric car or not? You can't hear uh, it for a start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, because I know what a BMW i3 looks like, I know what a Renault Zoe, what a Nissan Leaf, I, I know what the standard kind of electric cars tend to look like. Yes, there are some hybrids which are a little bit more difficult to tell, but you know th th there aren't that many of them around. And certainly, um, based on my local car parks here in Leicester and in Loughborough, um, there is no shortage of parking bays at the moment. Now, I was I was in a black cab in London a couple of weeks ago, and from January 2018, I, I, as I understand it, all new black cabs, London taxis that hit the streets, have to be electric vehicles. And uh, so over the course of the next three or four years, however long it takes for vehicles that are already on the road, diesel vehicles, yeah. you know, to go through their lease, new ones are going to be electric vehicles. Yeah. That means that all the all the taxi stock in London's going to be electric. They're going to need charging. And, you know, chatting with a, with a cab driver, he was saying that at the moment he can get through about two thirds of his shift on one charge. Then he needs to stop for half an hour or 45 minutes, have a cup of tea, find a rapid charger so to, to plug his taxi in 
to so he can carry on with the rest of his day. So he can recharge in 45 minutes? He can recharge in 45 minutes, as okay. most of us can, up to about 80% in 45 minutes, sometimes a little bit less. And this is called a rapid charger. This is a special kind of charger that you typically see at motorway service stations. Mm. It needs three-phase power and so on. It's not the kind of thing you tend to have at home. And you have to wrap your car in tin foil, that kind of thing, for it to work, yeah? Exactly, exactly. But there are only a limited number of these in London at the moment. And by the time we start getting all of these taxis finally uh, on the roads that are all going to be requiring these, I, I'm worried. Uh, another stat for you. Apparently, we need a sixfold increase in the number of electric chargers um, by 2020. So really not that far away if we are to have enough electric chargers to satisfy the number of electric vehicles. If you've got a drive or a garage at home and you just charge at home all the time and that's it, it's only when, if you're making long distance trips. What if you're a taxi driver? What, what if you're a taxi driver and you have to charge on the go in order for you to do your actual job? Well, there's places in, I've been in one, there's, there's like, a, like a taxi warehouse where all the taxi drivers hang out. It's like a taxi showroom. Surely there could be like a taxi depot where only taxi drivers get to go and charge. Yeah, I mean, that's going to require a whole new set of infrastructure, large building spaces or, you know, large car parks essentially to be equipped and spaces at a premium anyway in city centres. I I think it's going to that, that there's going to be a, a bit of a headache in the next 12 or 18 months with lack of charging infrastructure. But David, going back to you and you're not a cab driver. What? Okay, I think I know where this is going. Okay, um, um, so I'm I'm interested in charging at home. Yeah, Have you had okay. to modify your house in any way to allow this? <laughs> do you just run an extension lead out the window? How, how do you actually... hang on, hang on, hang on? There's clearly a joke here that I'm not in on. What's what's the <laughs> okay, joke? Okay, okay, okay. So what, what did, what did you have? How did you break of... it, David? How did you break oh, it? Oh, Jeff! Oh, Jeff! So the, the thing is, is that if you are to charge an electric vehicle at home, then you need somewhere to park it, whether that's mm. a garage, whether that's a driveway. If you park on the street like a lot of people do, then you can't very well dangle a cable over. This is my problem with electric cars. We live on a terraced house, so we don't really have the option to... Exactly. And at the moment, neither do I, because while I do have a garage and I do have a driveway, my car has been on that driveway twice. And... Uh... It scraped both times because my drive is on a bit of a slope and there's a bit of a lip from where the curb goes over and where there used to be a gate there. The suspension on my i3 is quite low and um, where I've not really had a problem getting my other cars down that driveway, my i3 basically doesn't fit, which means that I cannot, as things stand, charge up my electric car with the with the electric stuff that I've got now, I, look. I measured. I measured my driveway. I measured this car. I did all kinds of measurements I'm, to make I'm sure that it would you. fit. I did not, however, count on the fact that the suspension was so low that while all the rest of the cars that we've parked on our driveway have had ne- not a problem. Is it not time to get out a pickaxe and chip away at like the concrete lip on your drive? I thinking it's a JCB and a mini pneumatic drill at the moment. Wow. Right. Uh, wow. And I'm not even joking because I need this car to charge and I can't charge it on the pavement outside my house. So if if it were to fit upon your driveway, what have you had to do on your house side to enable the charging? Ah, I see. Okay, so you've got really got a couple of options here. You can use a standard 13 amp plug socket. So just your standard socket that you would plug anything into like your iphone into your laptop exactly uh, okay your 
hairdryer, whatever else. And uh, you get it, and you get a cable that comes with the car that will help you to do that. And it literally just has a three pin plug on it. <laughs> it's it's got a three pin plug on it, a little breakout box. Uh, with a few flashing lights just to give you a bit of diagnostics and whether it's charging and what the temperature's like and so on. So you could go to someone else's house and say, it's all right if I charge my car while I'm here. Yes. And when okay. I was parking in my local John Lewis car park yesterday, that's exactly what I did. I okay. I, I didn't I didn't knock on someone's door, but they've got some 13 amp plug sockets where you can plug in. But that's quite slow. And that might take you 12, 13 hours for a complete charge of the car. The next level up uh, you still can have um, domestically, you still have these at home, but they are a special box that you have fitted and that might charge your car in maybe eight hours or so. So it's still an overnight option. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the same as when you're charging your phone or charging your watch, chances are that, you know, between 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. and 7 a.m. it's time to charge your stuff up and that includes charging yourself up. So, you know, that's that's as it is. However, there is another option. So do you have that one? Or... No, I, I don't have that one yet. And what is the cost of that? Or do you not know? Well, so there is still a government subsidy for this and they will give... Uh, things up to about 500 pounds or, or, or thereabouts so uh, depending upon which provider you go with and if you go with bmw for example then you'll get an all singing or dancing one and still end up paying quite a chunk of money or you can go with pod points or, um, or a handful of other ones and you might pay 250 but it's a bespoke installation in your house someone will come round and install a box and they will want it to go into a consumer unit because you are going to be drawing quite a bit of current through there so how far off are we having wireless charging so like your phone you just pull up on your drive and there's like there's a, a there's a, a a charge ring sort of embedded in your tarmac is that in the next version where they also take away all the buttons on your car you know at the expense of wireless charging and then put a notch on the windscreen as well <laughs> wireless charging there are um there are moves afoot to to do some testing on that um but yeah, so, you know, you can pay 200, 250 pounds by the time the government subsidy has come off. And indeed, all new homes are supposed to be coming with electric car charging points in the UK as well. And then on motorway service stations, there's what we call rapid charging. And this is three phase power, special cables and all the rest of that. And that is where you can get your car charged in up, you say, 80% of it done in 30 minutes, 40 minutes or thereabouts. Is there an app for your phone? Is there like a BMW app and you can sort of see how fast your car is charging on your phone? Absolutely, is yes, it... yes. Wow. Yes, there is. In fact, I can, I'm going to open up my car right what's now. Your, what's, your, what's your drive time? Not your screen time. What's your drive time <laughs> in your BMW app, David? Um, actually, I, I could probably tell you about my last journey in here. So I can tell from my from my app right now that my last journey was 13 minutes, 5 miles. Oh god, does it plot it on GPS? Can you see where you went? Um not not in this app or not not that I've seen yet, but I've got stats on my last drive and I can see how much electric range I've got left. So 60% in my battery, uh, so 74 miles as things stand. And if I were to run off a full tank of petrol in the range extender, I get another 74 miles. My last journey was one and a half out of five stars in terms of efficiency, and my consumption was 3.2 miles per kilowatt hour. Thank you. Instead of miles a gallon, it's miles a watt, so it's miles a kilowatt. And presumably, what's the optimum speed? Is it still the classic 56 miles an hour that yeah, produces I, I don't the, know yet. the... 
We need uh, to know, know David. Done... For next, so for next, I'm... for next Frankulus, that's what we're going to ask. Okay. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. I, I will work it out, and also I'll let you know how I get on with my drive as well. I mean, I almost want to come up to Leicester and have and see your car and have a drive in it now. Oh, just Jeff, because you're, I'm... you are more than welcome. I have to say, it it doesn't look like a massive car, but it's really roomy in there. It's quite an experience to drive. But we just sit and argue in, in, in person. But sorry, David, you were saying you haven't got the charger option installed yet. I was waiting to see because apparently it doesn't take that long to get it uh, commissioned and installed. It's not that big a deal. And based upon my anticipated uh, usage of the car, I didn't know if... I, I guess I wanted a little bit more intelligence into how I was using the car as to whether it was worth the additional expenditure or not. One thing I have got here in, in this house is Economy 7. So that's whereby my I have a different tariff for my uh, fuel usage uh, off-peak overnight. So I'd be able to time the charging of my car so that it's at the cheaper rate of electricity. And I also want to experiment and, and do a little bit more research into which tariffs work better for me for electric vehicle charging. So, David, you would just be using the three-pin plug until until then? I'll be using the three-pin plug, well, eventually, hopefully, if I can ever get my car on my bloody driveway. 